Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, the show where we talk about the products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. So hey Jeff, imagine if you had a handheld device that could not only keep track of your events, it could also do your to-do list and your contact list. Ah, so just like a spiral-bound notebook. Uh, today's show, we're talking about Palm Pilot, an early handheld computing device. Yeah, so Palm Pilot was one of the first PDAs, or personal digital assistants. This was a physical device that predated mobile phones. So we're talking um, mid-90s. Um, I guess like the first one came out in the, in the mid-80s. But for this podcast, we're going to be talking about the, the Palm Pilot of 1996 era. So this device, you know, it typically had a, a calendar, an address book, a to-do list, a calculator, and a memo program, which... <laughs> Giving that list now as a laundry list feels very short and lacking, especially considering <laughs> mobile phones. Right. Um, but back then, like you know, twenty, thirty years ago, that's that's a lot to have in your in, in your palm. It's it's interesting too to update some of these devices. You actually needed to to physically connect them to an internet connection, and so the ones that you could connect to with a physical internet connection, those did have emails and web browsers that you could access basic websites with. Later, Palm Pilots also had uh, wireless configurations, but it's it's interesting that you know it's actually connected to the internet. You had to plug your device in, which feels very archaic <laughs> thinking about that now <laughs> now with wireless charging and everything not that long ago we had to plug in like our ipods to like sync music remember the pain of doing that every once in a while yeah so it's interesting you mentioned synchronization so i know we did the apple ipod a couple episodes ago and we talked about how you had to plug in the device to connect and sync your device to itunes uh, you had to do the similar things with palm pilots and a lot of that led to some of the features that you see today, like in Microsoft Outlook and how the software was designed as Windows came out with their competing software. But we'll we'll get to that um, in the in the competitor section. But physically, this device, the Palm Pilot, it's about the size of you know your typical smartphone that you're used to today. Let's call it you know um, three inches wide by you know five to six inches tall, um, and it's about twice the thickness. It was roughly about the same weight, you know, fit in your hand. Uh, it had a screen. Uh, some had rechargeable batteries. Uh, some also had AAA batteries, which is kind of wild. It's like one yeah, of those. Yeah, that's cri- crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those Christmas presents you get, and you have to, you know, batteries not included, and you know, you're all upset as a kid. What I thought was interesting too is that, as I mentioned earlier, the devices that you had to connect to the internet they actually use serial ports. And just thinking back to you know 20, 25, 30 years ago. And how you even physically connected things. Now, like we, I feel like we take for granted how ubiquitous, like for example, USB, where you can just plug it in and it's just going to work across the board. But it wasn't always like that. I know for these Palm Pilot devices, um, they actually use serial ports. And I don't know if you remember those, Jeff. It's like the seven, nine pin giant the ones with cables. the screws. Exactly, they have screws on the side. Yeah, exactly. So it just blows my mind that we've been able to, you know, <laughs> go from you know, literally like plugging this cable into a computer and then two small little screws they had to screw into it to make sure that you had a solid connection. That's just crazy to me. I do have a side note. So I want to mention that back in the days of older mice, the mice that you would use wouldn't be a USB-A. It would be like, do you remember it was like a proprietary- Oh, like um, PS- Plug head or whatever? Yeah, PS something. It was like P slash. There was always like a green or a pink- plug head to it and you would just have to find that particular you know when you're a kid you're doing like block matching or like put the block in the hole like match the shapes that's what you're doing when you're trying to plug stuff into the back of your computer and i remember like thinking how weird it was whenever they made that all usb and i'm like where does it go 
there's like six <laughs> of these here. I don't have six mice and not realizing that it's now those USB ports are meant for everything. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy. And just the amount of effort, I'm sure, to direct the industry, um, it's, you know, to all agree to the USB standard is that's a total aside that I'm sure we can take into a, a future podcast. Yeah, for sure. And like even now, currently, we're having this big renaissance of people moving to like USB-C and having like cross compatibility. And even companies like Mac, who are lo- for a long time have been pretty adamant about using their own cable types, you know, not using the USB standard, using lightning standards and things like that. Now they're at least saying, oh, well, if we use like Thunder cables, I forgot what they're called now, like Thunder Thunderbolt 3s, I think, which are basically equivalent of USB-Cs, but maybe I think technically they have different data transfer speeds, but essentially the same, like there's data plus power. And you have to have the uh, the special Apple branding for it as well to make it exactly. uh, yeah <laughs> to, cost to make twice it cost as much. exactly seventy dollars <laughs> instead of seven dollars <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> exactly. So in in terms of the business model for Palm Pilot, um, you know, the, like a typical device, really, I think any hardware device before five ten years ago, it was just buy it once and that that was it. And these devices they cost anywhere from when they first came out is like three hundred dollars to five hundred dollars. Um, in today's dollars, that's roughly five hundred to eight hundred dollars. You know, and as you went up in price, you got different features like memory or, or the you know the latest connectivity. One of the uh, the early selling points of the Palm Pilot was infrared diodes, which I think is is interesting that they thought that that might take off. It definitely didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it's interesting from like a wireless protocol. Like you know, before you have you know all like Bluetooth and and Wi-Fi just ubiquitous, like. Like let's oh infrared could could potentially make sense as a way to wirelessly connect things. But anyways, other features that you could buy with this product were expanded memory and then uh, styluses if you're lucky, which I think is actually a, a really cool innovation that has stayed. I actually the latest phone that I bought, uh, Samsung Galaxy Note, I purchased it because it had a stylus because I love that physical touch. So um, it's interesting that Palm Pilot that specific product feature, the stylus, it has continued over. Yeah, and styluses have definitely changed over the years. I don't know what it's like for the new phone that you got, but a lot of the previous styluses were just pieces of plastic. But now they have, basically there's like electro touch or it's sensitive to specific types of touch head. So obviously if you use your finger, you can detect that you're an actual human and it's, <laughs> it's got electric connectivity. And some styluses have that as well, whereas old plastic styluses don't necessarily work as well. On the topic of infrared diodes, I wonder, it sounds like they were just a way for them to connect close proximity Palm Pilots to another. Do you remember Game Boy Colors, I think, had something similar to that? There was like a oh, small that's right. yeah. uh, small infrared thing in the top right corner of your Game Boy. And 99% of people didn't use it. But if you actually put them up against each other, I think some people use it to trade Pokemon, for example. But not that many people used it. I think it was really unreliable. And so people ended up still getting, uh, if you remember, like they would get those like connection the trading cords. cables. Yeah, yeah. The trading cables mostly used for Pokemon. But a lot of games didn't take advantage of the infrared diodes. Um, so it didn't really take off. It was just kind of there. But I just think it's really interesting. In today's day and age, whenever hardware companies build something, a lot of people take advantage of every little bit of the feature that's being put in the new hardware piece. That's super interesting. I totally forgot that the Game Boy had um, infrared capabilities. And yeah, I don't I don't think I ever used that feature. I just had it in my head that we had to use the trading cable. Um, yeah. I wish I could go back 20 years and say, 
you know, to <laughs> 11 year old Mike, hey, you can actually use your infrared cable to trade Pokemon with your brother. <laughs> I think you're just scared as a kid because, like, if you trade and it goes wrong, you could, like, lose those Pokemon. So you never wanted to, like, risk it. So, you know, you'd ask your parents for a trading cable or somebody in your neighborhood kids group would have, like, a trading cable and maybe get passed around or, you know, everyone do, would do all their trading at one time and, like, move the cable from one person to another. So, totally. I think you brought up an interesting point, though, with, um, that we should dive into is the uh, today's hardware features like that typically don't go wasted. And Mm -hmm. I I think that has a lot to do with just the release cadence of software. You know, when you announced a hardware product, it was just expected that what you, what you had is like, that's all you had. There was not going to be no updates and it kind of goes into like synchronization where to actually update your contact list and update um, your to-do list, you had to plug it into a physical device, but now you have connected to the cloud. So you're constantly getting updates in the background, um, in today's devices. So I think that, I think it's interesting how, yeah, even <laughs> you would actually overbuild a, a piece of hardware with the um, idea that you're just going to grow into it with software. And that that's not to say that doesn't happen, but there's still, in some cases, lower adoption. For example, when iPhone finally got magnetic charging, I, I, I used it because I'm typically one of the people that like using quote unquote, cutting edge technology. It's not cutting edge for Android. I think Android's had it for some time. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I use it because I was like, I've been waiting for wireless charging for a long, long time. But then a lot of my friends still weren't using wireless charging because there's a burden of buying a wireless charging pad or some sort of connecting device to it. And then everyone was still using cords. And now that I finally got a phone that does wireless charging really well, now there's the, the mag charging, uh, you know, what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, there's a mag ring charging in the new iPhones and it's both magnetic, which will clip onto your phone and it can charge wirelessly. And I'm really mad because like there's very few years where I feel like I missed out on an iPhone feature. They're usually, it's like <laughs> the updates are that are kind of small, but I got my phone last year right before the new mag charge. And I'm like, I, I really wish I had that instead. It's like, it's so, I think it's faster and um, obviously it stays with your phone. You can move it around. You don't, you don't have to worry about keeping the phone attached to um, the magnetic charge or whatever now that you mentioned that i would love to be like just a phd economist and just do a deep dive into the willingness to pay for features of iphones <laughs> because you know <laughs> this is like a thousand dollar to twelve hundred dollar device that you know you, i mean you just said it <laughs> that you know you felt bummed that you didn't have magnetic charging even though you have like all this other like you know nine hundred and ninety nine dollars <laughs> worth of value and right. you know yeah is, is that magnetic charging really going to put you over the edge to buy the next one I, th- I think the answer is yes to to keep you hooked but it, it's yeah it's super interesting how even since like 2007 when the iphone first came out like it's just been these like little innovations that keep you coming back and just you know blowing your mind it, it's i'm just amazed that hardware in general are just able to you know continue to to sell as well as they do for most people i think if it's just like better picture quality faster processor maybe a bit more memory most people don't care like they're not going to go out of their way to replace their phone unless their phone's actually dying or like can't keep up with the the current software but for me it's like whenever there's a brand new hardware component or, or like something tangible that like makes sense to add for example like moving away from uh, a clickable home button to haptic and then eventually moving to face id like that was a big deal for me and also totally. things like you know nfc payments like that was a big deal for me although even early nfc payments even though they're enabled not that many people used them for some time on the apple platform because it's two-sided one on one end you have to be able to 
bring it up on your phone. And on the other end, a lot of uh, merchants weren't taking NFC payments for like a, quite a long time. And now like every grocery store you go to, you can like scan Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever they call it. The Google side now, I, I say always change their names. So. <laughs> for sure. And now you, now you look like the weirdo if you're actually physically touching something, especially, oh, especially during COVID. COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, especially during COVID for sure. But then it's kind of still weird because you can't, with Face ID, you can't like open up your phone you still have to punch in your code or take off your mask cool let's talk about the history of the company behind the palm pilot the company that was responsible for the palm pilot was actually called palm computing incorporated they later shortened their name to palm incorporated so pretty easy shortening there and the inventors of the palm pilot were three folks jeff hawkins donna dubinsky and Ed Colligan. I will note here that it's kind of cool that there is a female founder for a tech company in the 90s. That's like pretty rare. Um, yeah, that's, like tech, that's awesome. Even like, I think until maybe like a couple years ago, there were not that many founders that were female. One of the more recent founders, Whitney Wolf Hurd, who's the CEO and founder of Bumble, is, is super well known. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's cool that this had happened in the 90s, especially for a woman in tech and someone who uh, was working with technology. That's pretty pretty uncommon. Um, yeah, so as a, as a proof of concept, uh, Jeff Hawkins actually carried around a block of wood in his pocket for a week to prove out <laughs> that this is something that people wouldn't mind doing. I, I don't know if that's like a great exercise because it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Like it's one of those like, well, I could do it, you know, um, and it's not that people <laughs> wanted to do it. It's just that like it's it's not so painful that you wouldn't do it. It's not like it was totally. joyful to carry around a block of wood and that they preferred it. It's just he was just making sure that it wasn't like so burdensome that people wouldn't do it. Imagine um, that pitch like Mad Men style from like the 60s. You know, it's just like I'm going to carry this block of wood. But imagine it's my to-do list, you know, and you're smoking a cigarette on a couch, like pitching this and to like, someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> we say all this, but Alienware laptops have been selling for like 20 years and they're like bricks. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, like, or like, you know, gaming computers, uh, gaming laptops have been selling for a long time. And like, they're obviously not super user friendly in terms of, you know, portability. And it's ironic because they're laptops. Totally. And I think all like all of these, especially with like the early adopters and like between 1996 and 2006, it was always function over form. Yeah. You know, it's just like, like let's like put as many features. features in here. Yeah. Exactly. You know, one thing I'll mention with just like putting my product manager hat on for, you know, Jeff Hawkins carrying a block of wood around, that might have been his customer research, you know, <laughs> anecdote of one. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine doing that today. You know, it's just like how like in like the user research and how like um just re- – just how like user focused most good product managers are, you know, I, I can't imagine yeah, yeah. like having sure. that anecdote of one in today's world. Yeah, it's crazy. So their first Palm device, which was the Palm Pilot 1000, was released in 1996, and it did pretty well. So obviously they weren't the first PDA type device. Uh, and Apple Newton, um, which was a product released by Apple, uh, came out only a few years earlier in 1993 when it was kind of a flop. Admittedly, Apple as a company wasn't doing that well until Steve Jobs kind of came back and revitalized the company in, in, I guess, like in the 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s. Originally, the Palm uh, Pilot devices, they ran on what was called Palm OS, but they later actually ran on a version of Web OS. Web OS might sound familiar to you because they're actually the same OS that runs on LG, specifically their TVs. So if you ever like popped oh. open an LG TV and you say like Web OS, that's, it's weirdly uh, a variant of the operating system that used to run on Palm Pilots. That's wild. It's super crazy. It's like a lot of pieces from the original Palm devices like have trickled down and evolved into a lot of the stuff that we see today. And that's one of the main reasons why we're covering it on the show today. 
Palm actually at one point had a 74% market share in 2000, which is insane. Like 74% of any device market is pretty crazy. But it was losing ground to other types of PDA companies. Microsoft Pocket PC platform and Compaq's iPack was actually competing, which is really funny because I think both of them are kind of out of the space. Like obviously Compaq, I don't know what Compaq's doing now, but Microsoft (laughs) is like no longer a major player in the the personal device or the mobile phone space anymore, to my knowledge. I mean, they're just kind of backed off of it. Unless there's something else new that I'm not aware of. No, I, I think it's like, I think what's interesting about Microsoft is they've been trying to break into like mobile for such a long time. You know, I think mm. when Palm OS came out, they came out with Windows CE, which was like basically Windows Superlight for yeah. um, like these handheld PCs. Um, and that obviously didn't work. And then they also had like the, the Windows phone, which is uh, like used like the Microsoft Windows uh, mobile OS. I forget, I forget exactly what it was called. And that obviously didn't, didn't go well. It lost <laughs> out to Android and into to iOS. Now I feel like computing power is just at this point where it's it's super easy to port Windows over to like a tablet sized device or even like a cell phone if they wanted to try it out again. Um, so it's interesting how they have just kind of been persistent at trying to to win mobile and, and come different approaches because me from like a, a personal level i really like the, the windows experience i know we were talking earlier about you know um like the mac os versus windows os um and i would definitely love to see like more of that functionality brought into into the mobile space because i think for me it's i'm super comfortable with it and it, and i'm pretty efficient in it i think microsoft strategy has in some ways like started to avoid mobile i, I could be wrong here um but i've noticed that what, the, what microsoft's really good about is they know where to leverage their strengths and so what you've noticed Microsoft do, and this is aside from Palm Pilot, but now that we're talking about it, Microsoft has started to consolidate uh, their office suite. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they released 365, which is a big deal. They consolidated all their packages into there and they started to add features and functionality into that so that there's more value. They sunset Skype slash link. I think it was link, right? Yeah. Um, and then they built out Microsoft Teams, which is a competitor to Slack. And then they, yeah, they started just packing in all this other stuff to their office suite and stuff like that. And then additionally on the gaming front, Xbox has been really popular. Um, obviously it's like a top two competitor for, for the gaming space now. And what they're doing now is they are creating Xbox instead of like a console, they're creating it as a platform. So now you're noticing a lot of Xbox exclusive games being ported over to PC and vice versa. And there's cross play. And the idea of having a Microsoft account is no longer, hey, I have an Xbox console specific account i have like an xbox or microsoft gaming account or xbox gaming account that i can use across pc uh use on my actual console device etc so the thought is that they are trying to i guess like remove themselves from just the the pc space if that makes sense no for sure and i think like just like I'm thinking about putting like the uh, economics hat on. It's like the, I'm sure the lifetime value of a, actually we, we know this, like a lifetime value of a subscription customer is going to be way higher than a hardware product mm-hmm. or hardware customer rather, because you're yeah. going to get them for <laughs> recurring revenue as opposed to this, this one time big chunk. And as we were talking about here with Palm, <laughs> that went, went the way of the wayside was not successful in the one time hardware purchases. I don't think we talked about it in this episode, but Microsoft didn't, I don't know how well they did with the Surface. I, I know the Surface was supposed to be a major competitor to, you know, the iPad slash like some of the uh, Chromebooks and the other types of PCs that were coming out. But I think in general, Microsoft obviously knows it's doing really well in the desktop space uh, and then the gaming space. So they're focusing on those two things. 
one of Palm Pilot's devices, the Trio 700W, which is hilarious. There's no names now <laughs> that are like so like basically serial numbers mixed with some random name. Like I don't I can't think of anything. At least now it's like oh iPhone 12 or like you know something easy to remember. But the names back in the 90s were hilarious. Anyways, the Trio 700W combined mobile phone, email. MMS and SMS, which in a lot of ways was kind of like an early smartphone. So it started to do some of the the capabilities um, that you expect in the smartphones that you currently use today. But unfortunately, it kept losing out uh, market share to emerging Blackberries and Apple. So obviously, the iPhone became really popular in the you know 2008 era, and Blackberries were also really popular for kind of the business uh, class, the working people, and you know, again, the BlackBerry in a lot of ways felt like the Palm Pilot 2.0. I, I think a lot of Palm Pilot users were migrating over to BlackBerry because it was a very similar experience. I, I know it was stylus driven. I know that it was meant for work organization. It wasn't like this fun and light OS like Apple's. So yeah, I think a lot of people, it made sense to jump away from Palm Pilot to a BlackBerry device. In 2010, HP actually acquired Palm. At that point, you know, they were kind of hemorrhaging users. <laughs> and HP tried to fix a lot of the issues that Palm had. But obviously, the smartphone market took over, like Android, iPhone, etc. That's um, definitely putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you're not exactly. going to fix Palm. <laughs> like, you're not going to make it a thing For in sure. the 2010s. Yeah. And I, I think, too, like, if you think about HP as a brand, I think HP hasn't really made a big splash in the mobile space. HP tried really hard to do a ton of tablets. I don't know if you remember, like there was an era where they were releasing a ton of tablets. And if I recall correctly, there was a large sell-off of tablets as well. Like I remember my friend saying, I don't know if it was like 2011 or something like that, but HP was basically fire selling all of their HP tablets because they're end of lifing them and they're selling them for like 60 bucks or something like that. And people were buying them as like e-readers and like <laughs> just basically larger screens that do like web surfing, but they're not um, supporting them anymore. So I just thought it was funny. Like HP certainly tried to get into that space, but wasn't that successful. And then lastly, TCL recently acquired rights to Palm, but not specifically Palm OS because nobody really uses Palm OS anymore. I'm mostly familiar with them as the television brand maker. I don't know if they do any other devices, but I think they're just a major device company, you know, electronics company. Uh, They unveiled a new Palm device in 2018. I think it's called a Palm phone, but I don't remember anything about this. Do you, Mike? I I didn't realize they had released a phone at all. (laughs) This is news to me three years later. You know, it's like, have you heard the news? The Palm Palm phone's coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the slow poke meme. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, there's a new phone coming out or whatever. Yeah, I, they they had released a phone. Not many people knew about it. If you take a look at it, it looks almost like a toy iPhone. Like it doesn't look real. It looks like a knockoff iPhone. That's where we're at with Palm. But honestly, like Palm did kind of set the stage and it made it normal for a lot of people to carry personal devices that could do some computing and it had some of the earlier functionalities that we expect in smartphones today. There's a lot of remnants from from Palm Pilot that we still see. For example, the stylus still exists. People are obviously still carrying devices. In a lot of ways, that social experiment of carrying a block of wood for a week like <laughs> turned out to be a really correct assumption. And now everyone has like at least one mobile device. And you know, just looking at who Palm Pilots were for, I mean, they were for people that valued essentially anyone that was willing to spend five hundred dollars in today's dollars on a calendar, a calculator, a <laughs> you know, a to-do list and a stylus um all in one device like that you could fr- like take with you. But 
um, just thinking about like my like current schedule is like I wouldn't be able to live or at least like operate career wise without calendar notifications on my mm. phone. Yeah. Like that, because like just being so meeting driven, uh, you know, going from meeting to meeting, that's super key. So just looking at like who these devices were for, it's just like for these professionals that had that extra $500, which is, you know, pretty hefty p- price tag to pay. But it's definitely um, a lot of value to be able to get that, especially because the alternative that you had was um, you know, just having a, I don't even know what the alternative was because I've only had a calendar like, in my, in, either on my laptop or my desktop or whatever. So I guess like a notebook, Jeff, like, like you said earlier on. So, or like a um, planner. I wonder what, I wonder yeah. what the sales of planners, like what happened to the sales of planners as smartphones became popular? Like they must have plummeted, right? Cause, and at least totally. for us, um, maybe we're dating ourselves here, but in high school, we all had like agendas. Do you remember agendas? Like they were actually like and the spiral keeper. bound. Yeah. They're like, well, our school had like school branded agendas and they'd be like week to week and like every That's class right. period. And you can write what you had to do for homework. And like when you're a kid, part of our homework was to get our agenda signed every week so that we knew like our parents had looked over that we had to do homework or do whatever. It was just, I guess, like creating some sense of responsibility for us as kids growing up or whatever. But yeah, like now it's like who has like paper agendas? It's like very chic to have, you know. <laughs> That's funny because like I um I still have a notebook um where I keep my to do list just because it, it something about putting pen to paper it just makes me remember it better and also just oh for sure yeah um I love that feeling of just pen to paper and also very specific about my pens but that we can do a whole episode on that <laughs> um but yeah so looking at you know when Palm Pilot was announced and launched in uh, April of 1996. Two years later, Palm had sold 1.6 million Palm devices. So definitely a sizable market that they were um, sizing into. But when I looked into that a little bit deeper, I wanted to compare that to how the iPhone sold. So uh, as we mentioned, the iPhone first came out in 2007, and Apple had sold 1.4 million in the first year. And two years later, they were selling 20 million per year. And then I think another three or four years later, they were selling 125 million units. So just absolutely crazy how much growth there actually was in that market. And I also think it's kind of like um, looking at like the economics of just, you know, what's the willingness to pay for just like the first three or four features. If you look at, hey, it's a calendar, it's a to-do list, it's um, a calculator, boom, you're going to get like, you know, $500 for a million people. But if you add all these other features like a camera, I'm sure that's going to add, you know, tons of millions of users. So mm-hmm. it's 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 super interesting how the iPhone just changed everything by packing so much in. There's an experiment. Um, it's kind of like a design exercise, if you will, of like, it's called buy a feature. I don't know if you've used yep. it before, but yeah, the idea is that you can talk to a user and say, hey, we've got $500. Here's like the, a potential list of features you'd have on the board. How would you divvy up this $500 and spend on it? And another way to do it too is you can put dollar amounts on it um, and see which one they tend to buy. It's like if if you've ever like been on Instagram, it might be like here's ten dollars and try to make your best starting five roster of like whatever of like basketball players and <laughs> totally. LeBron James costs five dollars and Kevin Durant costs five dollars or whatever. Um, it's kind of the same so, thing. It's so the starting lineup of two. <laughs> yeah, so far two v five, we can take on the world. But yeah, the idea there is just that you know you can understand where people's prioritizations are and what they value in in the product that they're building especially when you have limited resources let's talk about competitors so uh, i put ti-89 on here because (laughs) ti-89 actually was able to do a lot obviously it was a calculator but i remember that you're able to play games on the ti-89 
Yeah. You're able to take notes on the TI-89. I'll be it's really hard to take notes on the TI-89. Um, fun fact, we were talking about serial ports earlier, but there is a special calculator co- uh, connection that you can buy for your TI-89 to connect from your PC to your calculator. And you can type notes in a special editor and then put those into your TI-89. So like there's a roundabout way to do your memos <laughs> um, in your TI-89. Um, obviously, the, the more obvious competitors are today's smartphones like uh, iPhones and Androids. But even going back uh, a little bit in time, the Blackberries were kind of the main successors of Palm Pilots. I'd say maybe with the more natural successors. And iPhone was a, a little bit more of a jump for a lot of people because Blackberries still felt more tactile. And I think a lot of Blackberries still had styluses for some time. And then predating the Palm Pilot, there were actually Apple Newtons and other PDAs, which were still able to do a lot of the same functionality, but for whatever reason, never really took off. I think people just weren't ready to carry a personal device with them at all times and maybe didn't find the value in having a personal note taker uh, that was electronic or maybe the price point wasn't right or what have you. Yeah. Like all these devices that like existed, like there was, I think we were talking about earlier um, before the show, like the like pocket dictionary or like all these one-off devices. Mm-hmm. Now it's just apps that you create right. instead of having a whole like new hardware device. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Obviously that's where the trend's going um, today. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about our thoughts. So I- I'm happy to go first. I think the Palm Pilot, even then, if, if it was 1996 right now and I looked at the Palm Pilot, I'd be like, that's cool, but I don't think I'm going to waste $500 or whatever it was in that that era's money to to spend on a Palm Pilot. There are better calculators at the time <laughs> that you could buy. It never felt like the Palm Pilot was the best in class at any one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the other things that you needed, it was like, oh, what more can I get out of a calculator? Like a calculator is a calculator or uh, a calendar is a calendar or a clock is a clock. So it didn't make a lot of sense to carry that electronically with you when, for example, I could just go and get the time for free by asking a random stranger or having a watch or something like that. Again, like I don't know if the product market fit was there either because it was so earlier on. Um, obviously, they sold a lot of units and they definitely met a, a need for people. So I think I'll probably give them the benefit of the doubt there. In terms of overall strategy or how they expanded, uh, clearly they were ahead of their time. And they didn't expand into becoming the next smartphone. And that's pretty common. I, I think, you know, we talked about Skype totally. uh, versus Zoom, for example, and uh, other industries like that. But I think Palm Pilot was an early, I guess, social experiment to see if people would care about carrying personal devices with them. Clearly <laughs> they did, but it didn't add enough functionality that people still wanted to use it. And people took advantage of the new knowledge that, you know, people wanted to carry around personal devices. I think if I had to give it a rating, I'd give it like a 2.75. I think... Obviously, there's a lot of remnants from the Palm Pilot that carry on to devices today. There's a lot of proof of concept in in that initial case, but I think they became obsolete pretty fast. I mean, you think about 1996, it came out, things like the iPod came out in 2001. And then like, I guess like roughly 10 years later after the Palm Pilot, the iPhone started to come out. So it was a relatively short time that it was like big dog in the space. Yeah. No, I think I'm going to give this my lowest rating yet of like a, a two out of five. I remember like when it first came out, um, my dad and I were talking about it and I, I just like, I didn't get it. <laughs> like I was just yeah. like, like, why would I need this? Like, cause like, like now that I'm thinking back, I actually use that planner as an example. It's like, Hey, I have a, I have a planner that can do this and I have mm-hmm. a watch. So I should be responsible enough to be able to look at my watch and then check my planner to make sure everything's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything's all good. And right. the people that I'm going to contact, like, dad, I live at home. I don't need to contact people. But I, It I, seemed like, like an egregious waste of money, like to have a Palm Pilot at the time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I think it's just like 
just wasn't there. A device like this needed to happen. And I'm sure like devices that are coming out today in 2021, people are going to say the same thing in, mm-hmm. in 20 years with such a critical lens. So yeah, for everything, for all the reasons that, you know, you talked about, at least for me, it just doesn't seem like it was packing enough value and it seems like a super high price point. But I think my low rating really comes from like their inability to pivot quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, like like you said, like the iPod coming out, you know, a couple years later, um, I wonder if they could have pivoted into, you know, I'm sure they had like, the engineering capabilities to, to bring on some um, like music streaming or anything like that. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's interesting that they didn't make the choice to do that. So which I can also respect on the on the other hand, because you're just going to double down on what you're what you're doing good at. And like, let's not stretch yourself th- too thin. But um, I think that's like a, a lesson learned for for all companies is you continuously have to be looking for ways to invent and ways to stay innovative or else you're just going to be uh, <laughs> yesterday's Palm Pilot like we're talking about today. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, those are our thoughts on, on Palm Pilot. You know, we love to hear from our audience on um, what you'd like to hear us uh, review next or what you liked about this episode. So feel free to share your thoughts. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.